The reading is from Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 5, and I'm starting at verse 16. 2 Corinthians, chapter 5, starting at verse 16. So, from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Good evening. It's great to be back again. I have no idea how many of you were here this morning. You have no idea how hard it is to not just meet people and try and remember, but from this part of their face, it's just next to impossible. So whatever you do, try and have your eyes sparkle Because I can't tell for the life of me if you're yawning or smiling. So I'll assume the best thing. Um, It's great to be with you. I mentioned this morning, just to remind everyone, because you probably have lives outside of church, that the church here is going through a mission series, spending a month thinking about what's going on in missions, celebrating the partners that you're linked to. Um, and I'd like to say thank you from ECM for that, for the, for the prayers and the support that you guys give to James and Carolyn Webb. Um, I'm impressed by how many people are on your mission board back there anyway, but specifically on their behalf, thank you very much. And as well, I'm really impressed by how many people you're supporting in Europe. Because a lot of people Forget that Europe is a mission field. Because when you go and you visit Europe, if you've ever had the chance to go, one of the things about Europe is it's full of religious heritage. Beautiful churches. Gothic cathedrals. You go into the museums, there's beautiful paintings, many of them with religious themes. You go to a concert, you'll hear wonderful music that was written, perhaps to be used in church. But actually, it can be quite hard to find people who really know Jesus in Europe. Very easy to find empty church buildings. Very hard to find people whose hearts are full of Jesus. In fact, one way I uh, summarize what European Christian Mission is about, as I say, our purpose is we want to see a Europe that's full of churches 
that are full of people that are full of Jesus. Um, and I'm not judging you by looking here tonight. I know this is a COVID experience. And so hello to all you people at home that I'm sure would have been here had you had the chance. But just to drive home the fact one last time that Europe is a mission field, I want to help you think about something. We, we think about places quite often like the Arab world, let's say, as very hard mission fields. So Saudi Arabia. Everyone would say, yes, Saudi Arabia, mission field. If you could get all the evangelical Christians in Saudi Arabia together and stand them right there, first off, they wouldn't fit, but if you could stand them right there, and then by comparison, you said, let's get all the evangelicals together in Greece and stand them there, and all the evangelicals together from Albania and add them, and all the evangelical Christians in Bosnia and add them there, and all the evangelical Christians in Montenegro and add them there, and Cyprus and Slovenia, you would still have more Christians in Saudi Arabia than all those countries put together. Europe is a very needy place, but it's easy for us to forget it because it doesn't look like it. And that's why James and Carolyn are in the Basque country of Spain, which is even by Spanish standards a spiritually resistant area. But that's not what I'm here to speak about. I just wanted to say thank you. What I want to do is I want to ask you a question, and it's quite a simple one. I'm going to ask the question. If you're sitting next to someone, I want you to turn to them and tell them what your answer is. If not, pretend someone likes you and is sitting next to you. Talk to your invisible friend, okay? Back before COVID, nowadays if you travel, the main thing you always take with you is a mask if you travel today, right? You have to. But before COVID, what was the one thing I always took with me when I traveled? Okay, turn to the person next to you and give them the answer. Okay? What I always took with me was my passport. How many people got it right? Raise your hand. For those people at home, everyone here has their hands up. No, but some of them do. And and the reason I would take my passport with me was because it's really useful. It says my identity. It says my nationality. One thing, for example, it confirms what you've probably already picked up from my voice, is that I'm American. But it also says something you would not have guessed, unless you were here this morning and heard the interview. It says where I was born. I was born in the Democratic Republic of Congo. Probably you wouldn't have guessed that. But I was. My parents were missionaries, so I was born right on the equator, grew up in the middle of the tropical rainforest. I know more about mosquitoes and malaria than anyone should. But before I go on, I want to ask you a second question. Do the same thing again to the person next to you. If you really fancy them, you can just use this as an excuse to be you know, fun with them or something if you want to do that. Or you can answer the question. My second question is who is the most important person you've ever met? If you're married, the correct answer is, why you, dear? But other than that, I don't have time to go around and ask you all, but it would be fun if we could. In Congo, where I grew up, the most important person, in theory, from an American perspective, was the U.S. ambassador. 
And that's really helpful to mention because we're going to be looking at a passage in tonight that talks about being ambassadors. I'm going to pull just one verse out of that incredibly exciting section that you read. You could preach on any of those verses. Um, But I'm pulling out just 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20, which says, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Now that verse, it hangs on the word ambassador, but to be honest... Unless you've lived in another country like I have, most of you probably never thought much about what it means to be an ambassador. So we miss a lot of the nuance in what's meant by that verse. So what I'd like to do is just unpack that and kind of dive in and be inspired by what that means. Okay, so what's it mean or what's required of an ambassador? Well, the first thing is, if you're going to be an ambassador of the country, it's very basic. You have to be a citizen of that country, right? The American ambassador to Congo was an American citizen. So identity is very, very important to an ambassador. Now, the the people from one specific country that I'm thinking of show the most pride in their identity of people from any country I've ever visited And those people are Brazilians. I've met lots of Brazilians in different parts of the world. And you get two or three Brazilians together, they throw a party, they're thrilled to speak Portuguese, they hug each other, they... Are you Brazilian? There you go. Am am I okay so far? Isn't it great when you're the speaker, they have to say yes. They're thinking, no... It's been my experience. And the thing is, when I meet them traveling around Eastern Europe, if they've come over on some kind of a trip, the one that impresses me is they always have flags with them. Somebody always pulls out a flag and they give you a flag. And the Brazilians are just so proud of their country. And about a year ago, I had a chance to go visit there for two weeks and travel around Sao Paulo and um, Belen and places like that, several different places. And I can see why you're proud of it now. Particularly your food. Oh my goodness. But anyway, so they're proud of their country. So why is that important in this verse? Because you need to know who you're really a citizen of. And yes, I'm a citizen of the United States, and you're probably a citizen of Britain. Who knows? We could be, doesn't matter where you're a citizen of. Your primary allegiance, if you're a Christian, has to be the fact that you're now a citizen of heaven. That trumps the country you're from. And if your government starts disagreeing with the Bible says, go with what the big king of kings says. So if you're going to be an ambassador for Christ, you need to know where your citizenship is, and it's heaven first. Second one, an ambassador is a chosen position. I cannot choose to be Americans, America's ambassador to Congo. That's not how it works. The U.S. government decides who gets to be their ambassador. There was a man who used to work in Spain with uh, ECM. He was doing a church plant. His name was Francisco Gross. And great guy, loved working with him. And he showed up at a meeting one time and he said, sorry guys, I'm not going to be at the next meeting in six months' time. 
And we said, well, why not Francisco? We thought it would be some holiday or something. He goes, no, 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 I'm being, um, he was Guatemalan. He said, I've just been appointed Guatemala's ambassador to Sweden. And you're going, what, how did that happen? Well, it turns out that his father-in-law was actually a vice president of Guatemala. And so, they, you know, don't ask me how all the pieces fell together. But he was chosen and suddenly taken from doing a, this missionary work in Spain to this incredibly privileged position in Sweden because he was chosen. How does this relate to you? Each of these ambassador points I want to have relate to you. How does this relate to you? Because Jesus said, you didn't choose me, I chose you. If you're a Christian, Jesus has already chosen you. So just like an ambassador is chosen, you have been chosen. Third point, if you're an ambassador, it comes with benefits and authority. My middle son, his name is Jordan, he, he worked for several years for the U.S. equivalent of the Inland Revenue. Made me proud, have a tax collector in the family. When he got the job, I said, well, at least scripture tells me how to treat tax collectors. Um, and, and so he used to actually go work at the U.S. Embassy. That's where his job was. And America enjoys Fourth of July. We celebrate Independence Day. We got free from some evil empire. And um, so what they did was they would invite all the people who worked for the embassy to come have a big Fourth of July celebration. And they needed a big place to do it. So they went to the ambassador's residence. Ambassador has a residence in the middle of London. I think it's in Hyde Park or something like that. It's Jordan was telling me it is so big that just on his grounds, you cannot even see that London is there. So they're there using this wonderful place, and the ambassador was away someplace, so they snuck inside and saw inside where they weren't supposed to and stuff, and he said it was really grand. The ambassador does not own that. It's a privilege and it's a benefit that comes with his job. Because he becomes ambassador and he's been chosen, he gets all this wonderful stuff just because he's ambassador. How's that relate to you? Well, my question is, are you somebody who's believing all the stuff that the Bible says about you? Because the Bible is full of benefits and authority that Scripture says are yours. It says you are a saint and not a sinner. It says you are a child of God. It says you're God's workmanship. It goes on and on and on. So it's vital for you to know, are you believing what the Bible says about you? Or are you believing what society or your friends or perhaps your parents, what other people have said about you? Go with what the Bible says, because that's where you get that list of the authority and the benefits that come from being in this position. Don't miss out on the Bible's promises. Next one comes with being an ambassador is you have to represent the country that's chosen you to be that ambassador. Ideally, you're representing the country at its best. Okay, that's what they hope for. But whatever you do, good or bad, you're representing that country and people are going to judge that country based on how the ambassador acts. How does that relate to you? 
hate to tell you, but if people know you're a Christian, they're going to judge Christianity in the church by what they see in you. I heard somebody say once, everything you are doing is either pulling people to Jesus or driving them away. So, represent Christ well. Another one, this one you may not have thought about, is that if you're the ambassador for a government, you have to say what that government wants you to say. At the start of World War II, there was a stage where Japan was about to declare war on the United States. And the Japanese ambassador had to, at one stage, come to the U.S. government and say, Japan's declaring war on you. It didn't matter whether he wanted to or not. It didn't matter whether he thought it was the right decision or not. He had no choice. He was the voice of the Japanese government, and he had to declare war. Because he'd been told to do that. How does that relate to you? Well, this one's really exciting. I, well, they're all exciting, but I like this one. Paul says, this is a quote from the verse we just heard. What we're saying is, quote, as though God were making his appeal through us. You get to have the best message ever, because you don't ever have to declare war. You get to declare peace. Eternal peace. To every person you meet. That's what God is declaring, and you're passing that message on. How cool is that? One more thought. To, to, to be an ambassador, you don't do any good being an ambassador in the country you come from. You've got to go to the country you're ambassador to. The U.S. did not need an ambassador to Congo in the United States. The U.S. needed an ambassador to Congo in Congo. So you have to go to where you've been sent to. little side story. Absolutely nothing to do with this, but it's a fun one. I was... Um, with Wycliffe for 20 years before I got involved with ministry in Europe. And Wycliffe had a couple who were working in um, Niger. Kevin and Sue Jarrett were their names. And there were almost no Brits at all living in Niger. So Niger didn't have an embassy. It didn't have a consulate. But Britain felt it was important to have some kind of presence there in case something came up. So the British government came to Sue Jarrett and said, oh, you're just about the only Brit we know living in the country. How would you like to be Consular General? And she got to be Consular General for the UK because she was there. How cool is that, if you think about it? The right nationality? They chose her. She got the privileges and benefits. But she had to say what they wanted said. Boom! And it's somebody I know. It's just Sue. This is even bigger because this is talking about Jesus talking to us. And as I was saying, though, you've got to go. How does that relate to you? Well, Jesus said, just before he went back to heaven, one of the last things he said to his disciples was, go and make disciples. So Jesus wants us to go. And it lines right up with being an ambassador. So you followed me through all that? This is where you nod to encourage the speaker. Good job, thank you. 
I know all you people at home are nodding as well. Thank you. We'll put cameras on you, a little Google box thing to think, consider for the future. Um, when you hear these talks, it's easy to think this is something that they talk about at the front. Of course, that guy says it. He's a guest speaker. They wouldn't let him have a microphone unless he was, like, special. Believe me, talk to my family sometimes. They can't believe people trust me to have microphones. Or you might think it's for special people, like, who get on the mission board, James and Carolyn, or it's for vicars, or the new curates are people who get appointed to be part of the church army and get red stoles, or whatever those were. That's not what this verse is talking about. This verse is talking about all of us. We are ambassadors for Christ. And that's an exciting thing again, because the U.S. only needed one ambassador to Congo. Right? That's all they needed. But the world is so broken and has so many needy people that God wants to reach. He's not worrying about nations. He's working about individual people. And with billions of people needing to be reached, he needs all of us to step up and be those ambassadors. So God wants every single one of us to step up and go out to that hurting world and deliver his message of reconciliation. How exciting a verse is that? Packed into that one word, ambassadors. So if we're all ambassadors, you are all ambassadors. So turn to the person next to you and say, you are an ambassador for Christ. So it's a very simple challenge. Let's all go out this week and act like what the Bible says we are. But to just drive you to apply it, I'm going to give you a little response. In a minute, I'm going to be quiet for about 30 seconds. It's one of the hardest things I do in my life. I find speaking easy. What I want you to do is I want you to think of someone you know who really needs to know God's love, his acceptance, his hope, and his peace. Okay, I'm going to be quiet for 30 seconds until you think of who that person is. Okay. If you've got them in your mind, that's for you people at home as well. I now want to just say something really directly. God has made you an ambassador to that person. He has already given you the message. We know what it is from this passage and other places in Scripture. God doesn't have to show up in a vision for this person if you'll just show up in the flesh. So what I'd like to ask you to do is as you leave and as you go through this week, Pray that God will give you the opportunity to be his voice to that special person this week. God's in charge. He knows what's going on in that person's life. 
He knows what their needs are. He knows the timing. But ask him for that opportunity. And then go live this week looking for that chance to be what God wants you to be. Heavenly Father, I thank you that every one of the people in this room who knows you, Lord, you have chosen and you have made them your saints. You've said you'll be with them always, like it says here at the front, and you will be. And you've put your Holy Spirit in them to help them grow into what you want them to be and to know what the words are. And the people they know are because they're, you've given them relationships where you want to bless those people. And I pray that this week the people sitting here and the people at home listening will see an opportunity to be your ambassador. And they'll have the courage to step up and do that. And they will share that message of reconciliation with the right words in the right way. And I ask you will do that. And they'll come back next week sharing stories and filled with joy because of it. And I ask that in the name of Jesus. Amen.